Welcome to the Bread and Salt Podcast. I'm Thomas DeMello, and today we have a conversation with Hugo Crosswaite. Before we get to the conversation, I want to remind everybody about our episodes in Spanish hosted by Griselda Rosas. Her podcast is called Pani Sal, and that's where you can find her conversation with Hugo in Spanish and others. A couple of things about Bread and Salt. We have a new artist in residence. Her name's Angie Jennings. Um, we have a new show opening February 27th with Carlos Castro. It's called Remorses and Other Maladies. Come out and remember to wear a mask. Here is my conversation with Hugo Crossway. Uh, I, I was born in Tijuana, uh, and, uh, and my father had uh, a curio shop here in Rosarito Beach. Uh, so then uh, this is where, uh, where I live. We lived in the back of the curio shop. There was a curio shop, and then in the back there was like these little rooms. And this is where I, where I grew up. Um, and yes, uh, I would, uh, you know, during my childhood, I would go to school to Tijuana. And then the rest of the day, I would just spend it here at the store, in front of the store. And just, uh, I grew up there. And then at some point, when I was old enough to sell, then I would sell. <laughs> you know? So then I was, it was just part of my day, just to have the half of the day, I would spend the school in Tijuana. And then the other part would be at the store, just uh, you know, doing so my homework be, and talking to American tourists. You'd be, right. You'd be traveling back to Rosarito every day? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, back then there was nothing. No, so it was like a 30 minute uh, car ride. And, okay. uh, and my mother was very religious. She's still very religious, very Catholic. So uh, she, did, she didn't want to put me in public school because back then in the 70s, there was this huge uh, socialist movement where, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, it was this uh, kind of uh, anti-church kind of, you know, schooling. Mm -hmm. So then she wanted to put all of her sons into, uh, into Catholic school. So mm -hmm. then the only uh, Catholic school that uh, we had access to was one in Tijuana. Oh, I see. Uh, Colegio La Paz. Was your, so was your father just as religious or was he not part of the... No, my dad, you know, my dad <laughs> didn't care. But, uh, but my mom, my mom, uh, you know, according to her, when she was 14 years old, she had this dream that she was going to have three sons and those three sons were going to be catholic priests uh -huh. and yes she had three sons and uh -huh. she tried her hardest to make us into catholic priests uh -huh. and, and she succeeded with one. Oh wow uh, my older brother is a catholic priest and uh he uh he uh, teaches theology and he's a, a vice rector at the angelicum school in rome wow so she managed her goal with her first son her second son, me, uh, I became an artist, and her third, and her last son, uh, my younger brother, he became a psychologist. Oh wow! So we're all kind of like in our minds, but not necessarily Catholic priests. So she, yes, her, her vision wasn't too far off, I guess. That's, <laughs> yes. that's a really yeah, cool story. Where did uh, were they creative at all? Did anybody do any kind of stuff uh, art wise or craft wise? No, no. Uh, um, my father was just about being at the store and trying to sell uh, curio, uh, curio things to, to American tourists and just trying to make a living. Um, and, uh, what kind my of mom stuff? was just a stay-at-home mom. What kind of stuff was in the shop? Ceramics or uh, uh, carvings? Well, things? Yes, yes that, that's the thing. Like, oh, I, 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 you know, my, for my parents' part, they never really, there wasn't really any art yeah, in, in my in you know in terms of, of my family mm -hmm. but I did grow up with this hugely visual place 
um, right. you know, a curio shop. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you've gone to curio shops in Tijuana or in Rosarito. Yeah. Like when you go to Revolución, you see it's very, uh, very uh, Baroque. It's very eclectic, filled with stuff, you know, like guaraches and, and uh, sarapes and, you know, and pottery. And all. it's very colorful. It's very uh, rich visually. So then, yes, I did grow up, I feel like in a very, um, um, uh, rich environment in terms of you know of, of imagery and, and things and colors and textures yeah it's because, because other than that there was just the beach you know the beach which is just this you know expanse of blue and then mm. the rest back in the 1970s there was nothing in rosarito it was very empty um so yes like i i i believe like i had this very baroque capsule that i grew up in in mm. the curio shop you know um so yeah but uh but but the only the only um, outlet, I guess, that in terms of art, I guess, would be uh, uh, film. Like something that my dad always wanted to do, what always did was um, every Friday we would go out to uh, across the border into the United States, get a burger at McDonald's, and go see a movie. Wow! And that happened every Friday since I was a kid. Wow. And that's why, because, you know, in, in Tijuana back then, uh, you wouldn't get the movies, you know, like, like if some big blockbuster came out, like Star Wars or whatever, you wouldn't get it here in Tijuana until maybe a year later. But just crossing the border, you could go see, you know, whatever movie was, was, uh, was the premiering. What were, what were some of the movies you were excited about as a kid, like Star Wars or like Disney film? Oh, yeah, I was like that. Or I was a big I was a big Star Wars fan and uh, and action and action films and and my dad uh, loved films loved movies uh, that was his big uh, we would spend the whole week here at the store but then every Friday without fail we would just go into the states and it was this whole kind of uh, you know my dad always wanted this idea of oh, we go to the United States eat a hamburger and go see a movie yeah. Sounds so then as a kid, as a, the, the movie movies were something that, that, that was the most I, I ever got exposed in terms of, you know, in terms of narrative or art or anything mm -hmm. else. Other than that, then I was just here at the store, uh, you know, selling uh, courier things to American tourists. So. Did you have any reference as a kid for wanting to be an artist? Did you look at it as like you, you were interested in film as a kid? Like what, what was the next progression that got you interested in beyond the shop and beyond um, what you grew up around? Um. Uh, well, uh, the thing is that boredom was pretty much the thing that, that led me into drawing. Uh, mm -hmm. Because you know, after school, I would come here to the store and I would be right there in the, in the front desk of the store and I would just be sitting there waiting for American tourists and doing my homework. And, uh, and then at some point, uh, my older brother, I remember as a kid, we would, he would put out this big sheet of paper uh, and we would start drawing and I would start drawing on one side, he would start drawing on the other. And usually we would play this game where, uh, you know, like, you know, when Star Wars came out, we were so into Star Wars. So then I would, on one side, I would be, you know, I would draw like the X-Wings and, you know, like the yeah. Rebellion. And on the other side, my brother was the Empire and he would draw like his, ex like TIE Fighters and Death Stars and all that. And so then we would be... You're meeting in the middle, you're just slowly uh, yeah, exactly we would fill out this page with uh, just figures and starships and you know you know uh you know like battles you know we would create these whole battles in uh, in the big sheet of paper and uh and we would do this we would do this like a lot you know it, it was kind of this improvising of narrative there on this big page so he would start on one side i would start on the other 
and we would just spend hours drawing. And then at the end of the day, we had this huge adventure, you know, that of many things that happened in that day. What a great feeling that is as a kid to be able to have just creativity, just being totally open, like open like that. Um, yes, and, and that was the first time that I that I remember drawing uh, or or you know putting something on paper and just playing with a, with a, with a sheet of paper, and then also improvising something. You know that we were just improvising this. It was a game. It was a play. You know, it was drawing as 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 a game. That's really cool. Um, did your was your brother better at drawing than you, or were they kind of uh, was there competition at all? Yes, yes, there was there was competition, of course. No, and, and he and my older brother was a better draftsman than I was. He always, uh, even to this day, I say that you know he had this very controlled line and very controlled uh, pulse. Like he had, you know, he had beautiful handwriting. I have terrible handwriting, but he had this very like real uh, a better control of 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 the line and and the mark. So his drawings were very. Like, like almost, I think he could have been like a great engineer or an architect because he could draw like very, you know, very exact things with, you know, with one line. Me, I've always been like very, you know, broken line and shaky line and not really, you know, kind of more, more expressionist, I guess, more, more, you know, loose in terms of my drawing. Yeah, so his uh, shift, whatever he drew anything, it was very like, almost like a, like a like an engineer plan, you know, like something yeah. very, you know. And my drawings were very wild. Were kind of, you know, very, you know. You know very was your younger line. brother? Was your younger brother participating in that stuff or no? Uh, no, no. He, uh, you know, he. We would play drawing, but then he, uh, even though I think he was a better draftsman than I was, uh, he he never re really got interested in art. And mm -hmm. then later on, he just you know he became a priest, and you know he was more interested in teaching and theology and all this, and and he left all that behind. But um, but yeah. he was he and my brother were the, were that was my first uh, um, uh, getting into drawing, my first experience of of, of doing drawing and working. You know. Yeah, I have all these questions just kind of popped into my head, and I'm kind of wondering about a. A few things, but um, one of the things, like in my experiences traveling in Baja and you know road trips, going down the Baja Peninsula and you know uh, seeing all the the shops that you're talking about because they're still around down there, and um, some of the things that always stick out of my mind when I'm in TJ is all the hand painted signs. Do you remember the first time you saw a sign painter or anybody doing something like that on a building, or did you guys do it yourself, or did you hire people? Uh, yes, uh, um, we would hire people, but but yes, I remember uh, all the signs in the curio shops were were hand painted. You know, we had our big sign in, in our store, Cora Curios, and I remember the day that the, the sign painter came and, and he painted yeah. it. You know, uh, and and much later, um, much much later, uh, I remember I would sit down and look at the uh, rotulistas do the big signs for uh, like whenever there's a concert or anything, uh, they would do these huge sounds with these big lettering no yeah and and i would see a rotulista come in and and to me i found it really beautiful because you know i remember i was i would just sit down and there was this old man with his son and he would come in and he would just like come in with his little brush and with, with just one stroke he would do these perfect letters you know like almost the size of him you know <laughs> like he would just it would be this whole body uh, you know gesticulation of, of of creating a letter and it was like a perfect a and then his son would 
would fill it out, would put the color inside. But he was just in charge of just doing the big lettering, you know, and going across very rapidly. You know, he would just with one stroke, you know, it almost seemed like, you know, like Japanese buto, I don't know, like like performance, yeah. you no, know, because he would just create these letterings across across the uh, across a wall. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there and just watching uh, this old man, uh, un rotolista. Uh, and what is that? Know, I'd be lucky if one day I have that skill, at least have that. What is that word in uh, translate to in English? Rot- rotorista? Uh, rotulista, uh, rotulos, which means a sign. Okay. Sign, uh, signage. Signage is, un, is rotulos, and un rotulista is, is a sign painter. And now, unfortunately, now everything's um, printed or it's. Uh, manufactured but uh, yeah. but still you still get some uh, you still get some um, hand painted especially the good thing is that las bandas sonideras or when there was like a concert or uh, like uh, small groups that play or whatever they still do the advertising of those concerts or events with sign painters and and, and it's across big walls yeah i remember my uh, painting instructor my painting instructor that i had at grossmont college uh, his name is bill mosley but he told, I remember he told me about a, one of his early jobs as a, as a young artist was a billboard painter, like actually painting the billboard papers in the U.S. and then uh, going and plastering them up. Um, it's really sad that those types of uh, professional jobs for artists aren't, they don't exist anymore, like the tactile kind of job, everything's digital. You can't beat a hand-painted sign and the craftsmanship in the hand and everything. Um, it's very unique looking. But but I I I I remember when I was living in Brooklyn, there was this one company that would still do these uh, huge huge mural mm-hmm. advertisements, and, and they, it would be like like building size. It's this company I can't remember the name of it, uh, but they would they they were very expensive. Like it was this, this uh, like and they were having a lot of success, precisely because they're like hiring painters, and you know, and it's actually this hand painted, beautifully done. Uh, huge uh, uh, signage and rotulos, right. no, like like uh, like it, it used to happen. No, like there was this painter. Uh, I can't remember. Um, he was a contemporary of uh, of Rauschenberg and and everybody um, who who uh, started as a time painter. Um, Rosenquist, Rosenquist. Yeah. That he used to be this huge uh, um, sign painter. Uh, learned his craft uh, through advertising. But do you think that that stuff influenced you as a kid seeing a, a sign painter? Uh, did you did you think about scale and um, what scale meant to you as an artist? Do you know what I mean? Is that is that make sense? Well, I didn't yes, um, yes. Uh, uh, well, to me, I, I I I never had really the opportunity to to do murals or to think of of, of scale. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all through my all through my career, it was always just about just creating a beautiful drawing, starting from like as I, like as I mentioned earlier, when I was a kid playing with this big piece of paper. Uh, so then uh, I, uh, I, I always knew that I wanted to draw. I always knew that I wanted to be uh, uh, involved with drawing, but I didn't think of myself as an artist or, or I never thought I was gonna be making art. You know, that, that didn't come to me until much, much later as an, as an adult, uh, basically. Um, uh, when I was uh, when I was growing up, I knew that I wanted to draw. But uh, in school, the only places that they would guide you if you were inclined to do drawing was, you know, you could either study architecture or you could study um, uh, graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, I chose uh, to study graphic design because it had no math. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that's where I was going to be like, well, there'll be drawing, there'll be, uh, you know, it will be uh, uh, this visual uh, expression. But then I started studying graphic design and, and I didn't like it. No, this was back in the, uh, in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. And uh, there, wasn't, um, there wasn't any drawing anymore. It was all working, the computer was there. No? It was all Photoshop and working with, uh, with the programs. And they didn't have this hand, you know, this hand thing, you know, of drawing or creating something. But, uh, but uh, be being of, a, of the first generation to go to college, uh, in my family, uh, it was very important for my father that all of his sons get a degree. So then I, I, I got the opportunity to study at San Diego State, and I was studying graphic design. And uh, but uh, I, you know, I was having trouble uh, at school. I, I didn't really like graphic design at all. So then uh, at some point, um, I went to my counselor at San Diego State and asked, you know, how many, you know, I have all these credits, all these classes that I've taken, like in maybe you know, three years. Um, and I decided I don't want to finish a graphic design uh, program. Um, what can I do with all these credits? And, and, and the counselor looked at everything and she said, oh, you know, if you take a full semester of art history, you can graduate with, uh, with a Bachelor in Applied Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, well, what does that mean? What does Bachelor in Applied Arts and Sciences? And she said, I don't know, but it's a degree. <laughs> you know? And I said, well, perfect. That sounds, I just wanted a degree for my father. I can go home and you know, I show him a degree. Uh, so, uh, so, so that's what I did. And I, I studied a full semester of, of art history. And that was the first time that I got to go to a museum to look at art, to write about art. You know? And uh, I remember as part of uh, one of my assignments, we had to uh, go to a gallery and write about an artist. And I went to the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego downtown. And I remember there was this show of Ad Nerdrum. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing the name, like a very weird name, Odd Nerdrum. And I went in and I saw these huge paintings, you know, these huge, beautiful paintings. And I remember mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, I said, you know, this makes sense. You know, this is what I want to do. This is what I, you know, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. <laughs> you know, this is what I, I can understand this, you know. It's not graphic design. It's not anything else. This is just, you know, creating narrative on these bu- huge, big canvases. So then, uh, so then that's when I saw that show and thanks to these art history courses, I realized that yes, I did not want to be a graphic designer and what I wanted to become is, was an artist. Mm-hmm. So then after I graduated with my bachelor in applied arts and sciences, I went back to my dad and I said, I have my degree, but now I'm going to be an artist. You know? And my father was very supportive. No, like my father said, you know, my father said, well, yeah, you know, you know, you can always try to do whatever you want. If anything fails, you can always come back and open up a curio shop and, you know, and make a living. So then, uh, so then my father was sure to, you know, you know, go for it. No? So then I just uh, went back to the store. I was started working at the store again and, uh, and I would be drawing and, you know, selling things to American tourists while wow. drawing, but this time with this purpose of becoming an artist and creating a body of work. So then I would start small and just created a, you know, I was just creating drawings and, and a small series of things. And then I think after uh, a year, I got my first show, you know, after mm. a year. In yeah. teaching? Where was that first show at? Well, I was at the store drawing and a friend of mine, uh, Ron Glaubitz, uh, who was an artist, who was a painter, 
uh, he came in and he and he saw me drawing. He saw what I was doing. And he said, "These are great, you know. These are great." So then he was having a small uh, group show right in front. There was this uh, old business that 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 had, you know that was just empty. So then he, it was this collective that took over the place, and and they had a group show and they invited me uh, to participate in this group show just just across the street from my from my father's store, and that was the first exhibition where I showed a drawing of mine. And from there, it just started going, you know, little by little. I had that show, and then I got invited to something else, and it, it kind of opened my door to just, you know, being in a community of artists and showing mm -hmm. my work, and little by little, just you know, opening doors and uh, and getting shown. But that was my first show, and so yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw your work, I had to go back and look. Your website's really great, by the way. You have such a great uh, back catalog of all your work being photographed and the dates and all that stuff. It's really good. Um, but I had to jog my memory a little bit. The first time I saw your work was at San Diego Museum of Art. Not much time after that, I started working at the Contemporary Museum and we were taking down a show. I think it was Transactions maybe is what it was yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. And I had already seen your work and I was blown away at, at your style. And I remember they let me pack your piece. We took it off the wall and I got to look at the backside. It was like this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's using pencil on panel. And it felt like you were breaking rules to me. It seemed really new to me at the time to see something like that, a high, high level illustration in a contemporary context, you know, where it wasn't just a drawing on paper or something. Yes, yes. Well, well, that's the thing. Uh, you know, all you know, even today, even to this day, I, I I'm hesitant to call myself an artist because mm -hmm. artist is such a broad term. You know, there's so many. You know, to be an artist is it's so uh, you know, you know, so lofty, so you know, so broad in terms of of art. Like beauty, it's such a broad term. You know, and very mm -hmm. subjective. I think. Um, the one thing that I'm very certain is that I love to draw. I've always been drawing since I was a kid. And, and my first motivation, uh, even to this day, is just, you know, when I, when I grab a, a sketchbook and I just start a page, my first motivation is just to, to make a good drawing, to create a good drawing, you know? mm -hmm. uh, whatever the medium is. You know? um, and, and, and the thing is that it's all through my, through my life, it's been this kind of improvisation. Of, of, of the material um, because I, I never really studied formally uh, how to be a painter or how to be an artist. To this day, I don't know how to paint. I don't know how to mix color. I don't know how to really handle the material um, because even at San Diego State, yes, I was taking some art courses, but my idea was just, I was a graphic designer and, and I wasn't really uh, um, uh, exploring or really taking seriously the, the, the fine art aspect of it of, of that education it wasn't until i just that i decided that i wanted to become an artist much much later that those preoccupations started coming you know how do you how do you make something how do you create something and the only way i knew how to do it was the way i've been doing it all my life you know just pencil on on a piece of paper or 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 back then you know i, I you know i could i couldn't i didn't have access to paper but i had access you know being here in rosarito I had access to wood panels. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I would just paint those wood panels uh, white and then with pencil, just, you know, just draw, them, draw on them. 
yeah. drawn them. And, then, and, and as part of my graphic design uh, background, I knew that you could use fixative, you know, that you could use fixative for, for things. So then, so then that's where that, where I was able to, uh, to, I feel to create a body of work that would kind of look like a painting. You know, mm-hmm. that would have kind of like the specifications of a painting. It's not a small drawing, it's not on paper. It's something that, that you can even, it, something that can even be modular. You know, you can create a panel and then you can make another panel and put them together and, and bolt them and create a bigger, th- a bigger thing. You know? so, then, uh, so then it was just improvising uh, pencil and charcoal on wood panel that I started my body of work. And a body of work that to me, I felt Kind of imitated what those Agnerdrum paintings were, which were mm-hmm. these grand things, you know, that you could, uh, you know, that were had this thickness to them and had this, you know, majestic feel of, of you know, of what a painting is, you know, a, a painting on canvas. So then it was just this improvisation of of, of creating drawing. I wasn't thinking about taking drawing to, mm-hmm. you know, to you know, like from illustration to fine art. Right. All those things were, you know, never in my mind. It was just about being able to create to imitate uh, what I had seen, what fine art is through the means that I have you know, and, right. and, and through the experience that I have, which was a simple drawing. And then also the way that I taught myself how to draw was, um, you know, you know I, I, I never learned formally how to uh, do a drawing. Like usually now I understand that, you know, when you, when you study academically uh, how to draw, uh, you know, usually there's, there's um, you draw from a model, you draw from life. And, uh, and usually when you begin, you kind of start with composition and then details are the last things that you get to. You know? it's, it's basically composing something and then reducing it to its, to its finer detail at the very end. Uh, the way I learned how to draw was the very opposite. It was just creating detail and from detail, expanding it into the mm. world or into whatever, whatever, whatever I'm trying to draw. So then, when, so then it was, it was never about um, kind of this Renaissance canon of looking at something and recreating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, it was more about just creating a detail and start improvising a narrative through those small details that I, that I start creating on a page. So then my first focus was to do a beautiful eye. And then after drawing that eye, a nose, and then another eye, and then a face. And once the face looked good, then the rest of the body, and then once, you're drawing a body, then a narrative starts forming in your head and well, this body's interacting with something else or with an environment and you start creating a story. So, um, so then it was more of, of uh, you know, like I remember, you know, uh, talking, discussing when I was starting out with other artists, uh, uh, you know, we would talk about our process and, uh, and whenever I would hear a painter talk about his process, it always seemed very foreign to me. Like he mm-hmm. would say, well, you know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of sketches. I do a lot of uh, preparatory things to tackle the canvas because then you buy the canvas, then you buy the oil paints. Everything's very expensive and you have to prepare for months to create a painting. And when I heard that, it was completely foreign to me. Right. But then I would hear uh, a poet talk. You know, a poet would say, well, no, my, my process is I just sit down with a piece of paper and I draw and I write one word and then I think of another word and each word is the visual expression. So then you start composing a visual, you know, to him, a narrative mm-hmm. through just stringing words together. Yeah. And when I heard that, I felt, well, that's, that's exactly the way I work also. No, it's just stringing details together 
uh, one by one and, and that way creating a narrative. So then the, in terms of the creative process, I felt that I, it was, what I do is more akin to how a, to how a poet composes a poem and not like the way a painter paints, you know? Uh, because that's basically the, the, the way I work, you know, like this, for example, I, I started this drawing this morning and, uh, and I just started, I just started with the face, you no, know? I started with the face and then, then the body and, and I have no idea what's going to happen here or what's going to happen here. That's just going to be what, whatever detail I start drawing is going to start, you know, developing the drawing into, into, a, into a, a complete, um, a complete thing, you know? Yeah, the... so if you were to tell me, if, if you were to tell me what's this drawing was going to be about before I started, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Like, it's just this improvisation that happens on the page. And it's not until I finish it that I can tell you what the drawing is about, you know, because it's just stringing together details and creating a composition. So it's improvisation in a way. It's kind of like just improvisation on a page. Yeah, it probably keeps you excited to do the next one too, if you treat it, if you treat it that way. The, the white and the void space in some of the drawings is just as interesting too, when you have such dark imagery, if you have a, a white void area, it can be pretty interesting too. Um, do you remember the first time you did a, a work on a wall, a mural directly on the wall or what, what how did that actually happen or um, recommission? Well, um, yes, no, it was, uh, I, was, I was in Brooklyn, uh, living in Brooklyn at the time and, um, and you know, it's, being in New York, it was always very hard to find places to exhibit. Everything's very, you know, very difficult to find venues. But then at some point there came this opportunity uh, where this group called, um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't mine, I was, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it, it, was, it was this collective that took over this, uh, this building that was, uh, that was being, um, how do you say, Obra Negra, you know, that's, it's not finished. It's mm -hmm. kind of all gray and, you know, they're still building it. Mm -hmm. uh, they took over this place and, and they were going to have a show, a collective, a collective group show. And, uh, and they were inviting artists to propose something to do in this space. Um, so, uh, so then I came in and I said, you know, I, I'd like to show something. And, uh, and they said, well, that they already had enough uh, painters. They already had enough uh, 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 work, but, but they said, but, you know, there was this big wall and they said, well, could you do something on the wall? And I said, sure, you know, I, I, I had never tackled anything like this, but I said, you know, you know, it's an opportunity to exhibit. Okay. So I said, sure, you know, you always say yes. You no, know, as an artist, you always say, yes, I can do it. You no, know? so then I said, yes, I can do it. And, uh, and I had two weeks to present something. So then, you know, I had never worked uh, uh, a mural and, uh, and all my work is pencil and charcoal and, and, and wood or on canvas or on paper. So then basically I said, well, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna treat this wall like if it's, you know, if it's, you know, my work, you know? So then basically I just came in with, with charcoal and, and charcoal pencil wow. and started drawing on the wall. What surface and, was it? Uh, was it a, was it a concrete or brick? It was, it was concrete, it was concrete like this. No? So then, so then I would just, you know, what I always do, you no, know, I have two weeks and I'm gonna do as much as I can in two weeks and whatever I do, I'm able to do, I'm able to do. No? So, then, so then I started with one eye and then I started, I started an eye and then a face and then I, you know, and then it was a lot of, uh, with, the, with the charcoal, I was with my hand going like this. <laughs> so then after two weeks, my hand was bleeding, Yeah. but I was able to do this huge mural. No, I was able to do for the first time a piece that was almost 12 feet by, by almost, I think it was 12 feet high by 25 feet. Uh, and it was all charcoal on the wall. 
And I love and, that. Uh, and uh, and that was the first time that that I was able to uh, to do something that size. Uh, but it was just an improvisation again, or like me not knowing what to do other than just create a drawing with with the with the skills that I have uh, at the moment. No? With the, with the experience, and so then I, it was uh, it was the first time that I did a mural, and then at the end, of course, um, uh, it was all going to be destroyed. It was all going to be erased because it was a temporary show. Uh, so then, yes. Yeah, so then, at the end, uh, they asked me to uh, to erase it. So then, so then I came with white paint and I and I painted it out. But then later on, I got the idea that I would do these uh, these kind of uh, uh, mural performances where I would mm. propose to a place where I would come improvise a narrative, improvise a mural, and then I would paint it all out. And wow. the way I would do that is by painting these white squares and kind of pixelate the, uh, the, the composition out of existence. No. So then my, the way I would, I, would, I would tackle a mural was I would go to a space and I would improvise a drawing, you know, like create a drawing and little by little, this very organic composition would just start appearing on the page and narrative start appearing on the wall. And then the moment I finished it, I would very kind of measured paint uh, these white these white squares and, and it and it would be kind of like this very planned very um, you know not organic at all very planned and very uh, uh, you know kind of it kind of looked like pixelation and kind of and that would be the way that I would erase this improvised uh, happening that had happened at the wall. Uh, so then I started doing these these projects of of muralist performance. Mm. But I would go to a place, improvise a narrative, and then deconstruct it. So, so I called it I called it construction and deconstruction, uh, because you can't really deconstruct something. You can construct something, or you can demolish it. But I I I, uh, I learned that there was this term in poetry that you can deconstruct a poem, and by deconstructing a poem is isolating the words and isolating them for their meaning, and in a way, kind of unraveling a poem. So I felt, okay, so then the way, again, like this, this process of like poetry, you, you create a narrative by, by stringing together details and creating a, a composition, but then by painting these white squares, I will be isolating those, those, uh, those details. Mm -hmm. And something that was very uh, narrative and kind of figurative will start becoming this very conceptual abstract piece where you know, something starts, starts to lose its, its, its narrative sense but it, it acquires this beauty to it. This just, you know, um, um, uh, how do you say, conceptual beauty of, of just a detail, an eye, a nose, things that are separated. And as, and, and as I keep deconstructing the mural, it becomes even more isolated, more abstract, more, more conceptual until at the end, it's just an idea. Mm -hmm. The mural becomes no longer a narrative, narrative, but it just becomes the old idea that was there, now it's gone. Mm -hmm. So then it was kind of constructing and deconstructing kind of uh, the, the mule becoming a conceptual piece at the end where it's just memory of what happened and that's in that space. Do you think about how many hours you put into a work or do you just put that out of your brain? Do you not even bother thinking about it in that case where you're gonna have something go away? We've even had you, you did a mural in the building here at Bread and Salt uh, for a project. I, uh, I wanna say it's Omar Lopez that was a, directing a movie, right? Yes, uh, uh, yes. A movie by Omar Lopez, uh, the um, Anna from the river they pulled out of the river. Yeah, Anna yeah. they pulled out of the river. Yes, uh -huh. right. And I got to watch you paint on the wall here at the building, and I think I even painted out the mural at the end. 
And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like, I vaguely remember, I'm 99.9% sure that I painted it out. But I think at the time too, we were trying to figure out how we could keep it and all this stuff. And you like, it's no sweat or it didn't seem like no sweat for you, or it seemed like no sweat for you to just get rid of it if nobody yeah. wanted to keep it. So it makes sense now you have this kind of, um, you know, you're, you're, I don't know, your history of making work and murals and stuff like that. You've just come to terms with the, sometimes the life of a work on a wall. Yeah. I think about another piece that, uh, gosh, at Cabrillo National Monument, you did, uh, you did these amazing uh, figures that were tied to the, the columns, which I heard those columns were old ship masts. Is that right? Yes, yes, it was it was this project that they asked me to improvise in, in, in the space and I picked precisely those masts uh, because they were they look so beautiful and there were so many yeah. of them. And I thought, well, I could just, you know, just improvise these figures that are tied, you know, tied into into the mast and uh, and it would be uh, imagery of migrants. Right. Um, this idea where Cabrillo is the place where, you know, um, the first migrant came in a way, a, a conquistador no? with all the power. Mm -hmm of a state comes and takes over a country. Uh, but in this case, it's this, the, the migrant who's still coming, who's still looking for opportunity, but of course it's, 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 it's disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. And in this case, he's tied to the mast, um, kind of uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in reflection of the story of Odysseus. You know, when he ties himself to the mast, he's an explorer, he's an adventurer, but he ties himself to the mast so he can pass through the, uh, through the sirens. So he mm -hmm. won't uh, go mad. But this idea of, of the epic hero, like, you know, Odysseus is this epic hero who travels, who explores, who's a migrant himself, you know, uh, looking for country or looking even to go back to his homeland. Uh, but in this case, it's these migrant workers uh, that are uh, migrant people that are, that are tied to the mast, you know, of, of ships, you know, and representing the, the hero the, of, of, an, of, of, an, of an odyssey. Right, what a powerful piece. I was there the night of that opening and I, I remember kind of seeing it in the dark because it wasn't lit well. And I remember hearing rumors that it wasn't even allowed for you to do that. So talk about like a time and a place to make work and an artist just going for it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, well, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty incredible and powerful piece. And if anybody gets a chance, they should look up the photos. Um, that you have on your website. I just looked at them again this morning, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah crazy I, good. Um, yeah, did you, uh, what was it like uh, navigating that? Like, did you think like, maybe I shouldn't do it or sh is this my moment to actually do something that is that powerful or do you, what were you thinking? Well, that's the thing, I, I, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, know, it's yeah. just this improvisation you know? and, and, uh, and like, like I mentioned earlier with the, with the show in Brooklyn, uh, it was, oh, you know, you're invited to do this. I think his chip in the woods that was that was right organizing this um this exhibition so then Uber, could you do a project could you do and i was lo just looking for a place where where can i improvise something and when i saw the masks i said well can i can i paint these right and of course i'll paint them out or i'll you know I'll, they'll be gone and you know because i think the show was only a weekend so then i said yeah. at the end i'll, I'll paint them out they'll, they'll, they'll be destroyed is they said sure if nobody objects you know so then I started, I started, I think like, like the night before I started painting them and, and th throughout the day and the next day. And then I think that at some point somebody complained, <laughs> like, I think somebody complained that, oh, somebody's painting on these masts and you right. know, 
you shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing this. So then they shut me down. Like they said, well, you know, I was gonna paint all of the columns. And I think I only managed to do like 15 or so. And, and then they said, yeah, stop, you know, you know, you can't go any further. And then we're going to erase these at the end. And I said, well, that's fine. Like that's part of the project, you know, that. Yeah, the imagery was really powerful. The migrants and people, enslaved people on a ship or something. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, yes, yes. Really powerful and pretty incredible that it happened at that spot too. Yeah. Um, and they'll be kicking themselves later for not saving this masterwork of yours, but. Oh, but that's also that was also part of the point, you know. Like the, the piece is about colonization, you know, and, yeah. and that place is a point of colonization. Right. So then, so then it's also I feel I think it's wonderful because it reflects kind of like what we're going through right now, you know, that we're we don't want to deal with the history, our history as the United States as a nation, even Mexico, you know, they don't want to deal with with the dark elements of of, of their own history. Uh, they try mm -hmm. to you know erase it. So then the very fact that there are these migrant workers as heroes. But then we have to erase them because they they represent a darker uh, chapter in our history. That to me, well, that's that speaks to the piece, no, and and, and the completion of what the artwork and the meaning yeah. and the concept of the piece was. Well, I think you hit a home run with that one. I <laughs> that was a really cool show, though. Um, yes, it was. It was. Uh, what are you doing now uh, with COVID? Are you? I mean, you're obviously compelled to draw. You just showed me a sketchbook that's totally filled. Uh, so you're still drawing. <laughs> Are you well, well, right now I've been working on uh, stop motion uh, animation. Uh, I've been doing these small pieces where, uh, which came kind of came out of my sketchbook, where I would just start photographing um, uh, the details of my drawing, and then in the end I create this stop motion animation where you see my the sketchbook mm -hmm. and how the drawing just develops on it, and then I turn the page and. So I've been working uh, on this project uh, that I'm calling um, Dibujos de Cuarentena, a quarantine drawing sketchbook which is exactly what it is. It's my sketchbook through this time that we're locked in and, cool. and I'm creating these narratives. And uh, so far I have, uh, I'm trying to complete 40 of these little 30 minute stop motion drawing animations. And at some point uh, my plan is to, um, to exhibit this as maybe as a digital mural you know, where you could have like 40 screens wow. that show each little page on the sketchbook and how the, how the you know, so it's, so it's this, you know, watching it as a as a as a 40, 40 digital screens with with this with this drawing on them, to me it has it has kind of like this juxtaposition of the hand thing of the the personal thing that's a sketchbook mm -hmm. that's almost like a like a like a visual diary you know something personal and you know, but then here it is presented as these forty screens that kind of looks like surveillance or looks mm -hmm. kind of something that's very very public you know. So, uh, and how, how our lives right now in this moment of quarantine has become precisely this, this digital interaction where yeah, I'm seeing you, we're conversing, but it's through, uh, through a digital screen. What type of equipment are you using to capture the imagery? Uh, I'm using, well, again, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just using this small um, uh, power shot uh, camera that I have. Okay. Uh, and I'm, and and I'm just, you know, doing a, doing a little, uh, doing a little detail, and then I take a picture, and then I do oh. another detail, and I take a picture. So it's this kind of stop motion uh, kind of animation, which because I don't have any tripod or anything, it's just kind of held. So then it has this very neat kind of, you know, yeah. shakiness to it that that looks pretty cool. Uh, that I feel looks very handheld and very hand, you know, uh, which is kind of what the drawing is also is this very handheld, the, the idea of pulse, the idea of of, of control creating a narrative, but there's your pulse, you know, which is flawed, you know, it's not a steady thing. 
So then the video itself is not a very steady thing. It's this very, you know, shaky kind of thing where, where the drawing just starts appearing on the page. You can see samples of it in, um, in my Instagram. In my Instagram, you can see uh, I, I put up 15 of those, of those small stop motion drawing animations. So you can see kind of like how the video looks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to stop posting them because I'm, I want to do at the end, I want to do 40. And then in the end, it's going to be this this, 40, this installation of 40 screens with 40. <laughs> 40 I was just going to say, is there anything we can share from Bread and Salt like on our Instagram? But I don't want to go oh, and share. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can share if, 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 if you see anything you like on the Instagram, yeah. you can share it. That's fine. You know? Is there anything we can promote that's coming up besides that project or anything that uh, you want to mention uh, for the? Uh, well, right now, um, I'm. Um, I just finished uh, a stop motion drawing animation video, a music video for this group uh, called uh, The Color 49. Oh, right. Yeah. Phil Beaumont's band. Phil Beaumont, yes. Uh, so then he, uh, we, we got together in November and we talked about a collaboration. So then I just, uh, he, uh, there's this song that he presented to me called um, What Do I Know? Uh, so then I, I heard the song and, and I loved it. I, I loved the lyrics of it. I loved the, the concept of the song. So then, so then I just, uh, I decided to do this stop motion drawing animation that, that tells the story of the song. So it's kind cool. of a music video in a way, a, 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 a stop motion drawing animation music video yeah. that, that presents the song. And, uh, and I just finished doing that. Um, and uh, we're gonna be, I'm thinking it's still gonna be some time, but I'm thinking we're gonna, we're gonna premiere that either in April or September, I don't know. It, it, it's up to Phil uh, when he wants to uh, 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 promote the song, but but that's the project that I just I just finished. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and hopefully COVID goes away soon. Maybe we could premiere it at Bread and Salt, have Phil play and show the yeah. film or something. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Yes, yes, I would love that. Well, man, it's been really good talking to you. I don't want to waste any more of your time. I'm, I've been such a fan of your work forever. It's been really cool to talk to you. And do you want me to put a link to your website or? Um... Uh, yes, I'll put a link to, uh, to my Instagram okay, cool. uh, at, at Google Crossway. Uh, okay, Instagram. cool. That'd, that'd be cool. I will do that. Um, well, thanks for talking to me. Well, all right. It was great talking to you, Tom. Yeah, talking to you. Bye. Bye.